0: So we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, When did their conversation take a turn? What was her question to Jesus? In spirit and in truth? What does that mean? What are some things that make worship difficult? And my day does not determine my blank. My blank does. Alright? So that's kind of our guide. And I'll try to make sure we get to all of them. Let's open up in prayer. So Father, we pray that you would bless our time together. We're talking about worship, Lord, how we approach you. Um, you've made it really clear in your word what's acceptable, um, what is required, and the understanding that we should have as we approach you. And so, Father, I pray that you'd communicate that to our hearts, and I pray, I pray that we would receive it. I pray that we would receive it, Lord. And then I pray that we'd actually put it into action. So, Father, we thank you for this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, so this past week, right, first day of spring, right? um, Also on that same day, in the Catholic Church, they celebrate um, the Feast of St. Joseph on that same day. And so, um, because they do that, where I work, it's a Catholic school, and we have to gather together, you know, in the gym... All the boys, all the faculty, and they got to do their mass, you know, we do our masses and stuff, and so we come uh, in the gym, and all the boys got to make sure all their ties are pulled up, you know, their shirts are tucked in, you know, and everybody looks sharp, and everything looks good, and, and we get in there, and um, they're going through talking about um, St. Joseph, and who's Joseph? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus' father, right? Foster father, really, Right? Not even a real father. It's pretty interesting, right? Foster father. Um, so, you know, they're spending time, you know, talking about him and kind of about his life and kind of going through their thing. And um, But, you know, there was just one of those moments as I was sitting there and I'm seeing, you know, all the kids and all the faculty and just noticing all of it. Um, as I'm watching and I'm taking in, you know, what the priest is saying and kind of everything that's going on and... It's actually tough to really take in everything that's going on because it's easy really easy to tune out. I'm trying to like take it in. I remember past conversations, you know, just with faculty members and, and you know, kids and stuff after mass and so I'm just like sitting there thinking about all this stuff and and I just had this like sense and just this thought of man, it's so sad that so many people can just come and get together and be in a room and be reading scripture and be talking and acknowledging about, like, who God is, and people are able to sit there, be around that environment, and, like, nothing heads home and settles in. Just about nothing. Because I have had countless, and I'm not judging every heart that's in the room there in that moment. I'm just sharing an observation. Because I can tell you countless conversations with students in the classroom after... And I'm like, so, you know, what'd you think about the mass today? You know, what'd you think about, you know, what the priest said and stuff? And they just, Rick. nothing going on, you know, at all. You know, and then I'll text, like, you know, maybe some faculty members, you know, because sometimes I, that could lead to a good way to have a conversation with some other faculty members, you know, about, you know, what the priest talked about. And maybe that will go particular places. So I'll give him a quick text, you know, what'd you think about what he said, you know. Uh, half the time, you don't really get a response. You know, usually some kind of sarcastic joke and it was about something else. So, I don't know, it just struck me. I was like, man, it's really sad that so many people could be there in that environment and then not connect at all. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that. Um, but the one really scary thing that just I couldn't get out of my head was that, man, if people are able to be in an environment like that on a regular basis, consistently. They are basically able to train themselves to be in an environment to say that they're giving worship and devotion and be completely disconnected. So then it turns into respectfully enduring whatever's happening on in a group is called worship. Does that make sense? Like being in an environment with a bunch of people, as long as you're quiet and you can kind of go through the routine and kind of sort of follow along and quietly do that and respectfully do that, not like on your phone and not talking to anybody else and doing other things. If you can patiently and respectfully do that, for many people that gets translated to, yep, I went and worshipped today. I worshipped that Mass. And it just turns into really like an attendance type thing. And that can, like, that's not just, you know, for the Catholic church. That can easily happen in a Protestant non-denominational church. That can easily happen in an Episcopalian, like, that can happen in any church setting. Where, like, you know, we can come in, we can say, oh, did you go to worship service this morning? Oh, yeah, yep, we went to worship service this morning. And then the follow-up question was, did you worship? I don't know, you know, what's the answer to that one? Well, songs are playing and I sang a couple lines. I guess, is that worship? You know, what, what would qualify as actually coming to church and getting your worship on? Like, how do you know if you come in and you are worshiping? And then the answer to that question is like, follows up then, well, what does the Bible say? Like, how should we do it? What's the right way? Should we even have instruments? Is it okay to even play like an MP3 in the back and sing along to it? Do we even really need that part? Because if God is God, he's everywhere, and, you know, he can hear us. And, and then that leads to other questions. Well, if that's the case, then do I even have to go kind of every week? Is that even needed? Does why we even talk about that. Right, so this idea of worship, like, packs a lot of things, and then when you open up that can, it brings a lot of questions with it. And uh, thankfully... Um, There was a discussion a couple thousand years ago uh, between Jesus and a woman about that very thing. And so that's like what we're going to talk about this morning is about worship. What does that mean? You know, what does that look like? What does God actually say it is? And then, what is my response? What is my responsibility? Because if God clearly portrays something to us, we then have a responsibility to live that out. Isn't that true? So if he makes a truth aware to us, we then have a responsibility. We can't claim ignorance. We have a responsibility to then now act on. it, Right? And hopefully, we'll have enough courage and we'll have enough maturity to follow after that. And not listen to other things and other fears that might want to squash that and make us become procrastinators. I know we should do, but we're really not going to do it because of a variety of reasons. Right? So worship. What is the deal? What's going on? What's this conversation? Who is this woman? Let's see what's going on. All right. Let's check it out. So John chapter 4. says the, We'll read through the whole thing, and then we'll pull out a couple of things. It says, The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. Everybody say Samaria. Samaria. It's an important place. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sikar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. It's about noontime. When a Samaritan woman, right? Here's our girl. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So he's kind of sitting back by this well. Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews are not associated with Samaritans. So Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... And who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and the herds? Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him or her, right? A spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water here. He told her. makes sense, right? He told her, Go call your husband and come on back. I have no husband, she says. She said to her, You are right in saying you have no husband. The fact is you've had five of them. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. It just all changes. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. So interesting conversation, right? And you can see there was really nothing having to do with worship in the beginning, right? It's about, like, water, and can I get some water, and can I have some, and the well's deep, and you don't have anything, and I'll give you eternal life. And then it changed. Okay, where do I go worship? And then worship was just a focus from there on out, right? And then he closes up with saying, well, I am the Messiah, I am the Christ. Which blew her away. So, a couple of Observations. So one in your, in your bulletin there says, how is this dialogue different than the one last chapter? There's a bunch of different differences. Here's just a few. Chapter three, remember Nick at night, Nicodemus? Right? Nick at night. You always remember that story because you can just do that, right? You can just tie those two things together. So it always works. Um, Nick at night, you had one thing happening at night, right? One thing happening during the day. This is noontime, about the sixth hour, right? The other guy was at night, right? So that's one difference, right? Another one you have is you have a man and the other one, right? And in this one you have a woman, right? Another difference is the previous time it was a well-respected Jewish man. Like he was one of the religious leaders, a well-respected guy. So So respected that he snuck out at night so other people wouldn't know and find out and he was kind of a secret disciple for a long time until Jesus died. In our story, we have not a very well-respected woman. Not much so at all. Here's how we know. We know she wasn't really well-respected because she's going to get water at noontime, the hottest time in the day. Nobody's out there getting water. Except if you don't have a great reputation. It's also because she's a Samaritan. And a Samaritan, like the big issue here, right? We talk about you know racism and stuff like that all the time, right? And all that kind of stuff. This was also a big problem back then. Is because when in the old testament, when Israel was a nation that had like two kingdoms, they had a northern kingdom, a southern kingdom, and they eventually got conquered. And overrun? Well, the Babylonians that took them over, there's not a history test later, but just to give you a background. The Babylonians that took them over basically took everybody out and moved them to their area and they left behind the difficult ones. The ones that were sick, the ones that were lame, they couldn't really move. It was just, It's too much effort to try and move these people. They're just going to stay there. So those people stayed there And then they had relationships and they, you know, they had spouses within. Now this new Babylonian type people, so you have like a half breed. So they're like half legit Jewish, but then they're half something else. So the real Jews did not like that. They were very much looked down upon. Didn't like it at all. So much so that they wouldn't even interact with them. So much so that to get to Galilee where he was headed, the Jewish leaders and authorities, they would actually go around Samaria and like, not go that way. They are unclean. We don't interact with them. I mean, this is like really bad you know, racism and intolerance and just not a good thing. It just puts up barriers. It's not good. So Jesus chooses to go right through it, right? So you see this situation where you have a woman... Five husbands. She's living with a guy now that's, you know, not the right guy. uh, Not her husband. And um, she's a Samaritan. So he's already breaking like a bunch of socio-economical barriers right away. So he's sitting there. It's interesting. He's thirsty, right? He gets tired. He gets thirsty, right? He was a god and man's flesh. He had desires and needs, you know, just like us. So he's sitting there, wants a drink, and then he talks to her, and she's like, what are you talking to me for? You know, something about him, again maybe his language or something, spoke that he was a Jew, and she knew, why are you talking to me? I wouldn't even be that surprised if maybe she was flirting a little bit. Maybe. A lot of Bible commentators even think so. Maybe she was flirting a little bit. You need some water, you know. (laughs) I can get you some water, you know. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. So they're there, you know, having this discussion about it, you know, and it piques, you know, her interest when he's like, Well, I can, you know, give you living water that when it takes birth inside a man or a woman, you'll never thirst again. Understandably, she's like, Wow, I want that. I mean, imagine never having to come back here. And the situation that changed the entire dialogue was when he asked her a question. Right? The question was, why don't you, or the statement, why don't you, you know, come get your husband? We'll talk about stuff. She had a choice in that moment to not tell the truth and to sort of be dishonest. Or she could really just come right out and say it. And for whatever reason, she chose to be honest in that moment and that honesty opened the door for the stuff that really mattered. Right? Because then from there, her response was, well, I can see you're, forget about the water stuff now. I can see you're a prophet. Where do we go worship? What's the right way to do this thing? Because in their belief system, what they thought Okay, this is important to understand. Because they are Samaritans, they believed that out on Mount Gerizim... Say Gerizim. Gerizim. On Mount Gerizim is where you're supposed to worship God. Like, the place was important. And they get this idea in, Deut- in different places in the Bible, but places like Deuteronomy chapter 11 and other places where it says that when you enter into your land, proclaim the blessings of God on Mount Gerizim, right? They also believed that um, Isaac and his son, you remember that situation where gonna, God thought he was going to ask them to the sacrifice, and God told them no, you know, but they went through the whole thing. They believed that was on Mount Gerizim. They also believed that the ark when it actually landed and the flood subsided, it was on Mount Gerizim. So the way that they interpreted their Torah and the first five books, and that's what they believed. That's what they held on to. So they're like, this is the right place is where you should be worshiping. And the Jews were like, no, no, no. It's in the temple. We have this amazing temple. Like, this is what God has said. And one group hates one, you know, the other group, so they're never going to come to an understanding or agreement. So that's her question. Where do I go worship? That's like the question nowadays. So do I go worship at Nagi? Do I go worship um, at Christ the King, you know, and also in town? Do I go worship at the congregational church? Like, where do I go worship? What's the right deal? There's so many churches. There's so many different denominations. Where do I approach God? Like, what's the best way to do it? It's a good question, right? She might have had her relational issues, but... Something's going on in her head where she's thinking about, like, what things are important here? And she's trying to figure it out. It's a really good question. Some people could just care less. I'll just, like, show up and put a checkbox in and say, I'm done. So the answer that Jesus gives says, Hey, my real worshipers, they worship in spirit and in truth. In other words, locale not important. My spirit is everywhere. Locale is not that important. I am everywhere. And that's why a lot of people say, well, and I've had so many people say to me, well, I don't really need to go to church, you know, because God is everywhere, and he's in my house, and he's in my car, and I talk to him all the time, and so. Happens a lot, and I'm sure you've probably even heard people talk, you know, about that. The only problem is it's really a misunderstanding of the Bible and church as a whole. And that's where the truth part comes in. See, in spirit, yes, he's everywhere. He is God. But now the truth part of the equation is what brings it all together. Now we are able to worship in truth. We're able to understand who God is and what he says about how we approach him. That's worshiping in truth, knowing what he says about himself in the Bible, and what he says, how we're supposed to approach him. Does that make sense? So that's in truth. So in spirit, he's everywhere. Yes, it's true. You can worship Him in your car,, you know, at your job,, you know, wherever. outside, where you cleaning the garage, you know whatever you're doing, you can be worshiping. But in truth, like knowing how. What is he asking? What does it say in the Bible? So it's interesting this word worship, right? So if you look up the term worship and as as this passage closes out six or seven times, you know, you got this term worship. The term actually means in the Greek and I wrote a bunch of things down, you know, it means to kiss the hand like a king would, you know what I mean? They got the ring, you know, and kiss the hand. I ain't doing that, you know. <laughs> We're Americans. We don't do that. Fall on knees. Fall on our knees. To be prostrate. You know what prostrate means? Prostrate means like on your face. Like just worshiping. So when he's talking about worship, these are the things he has in mind. Like this is the original language from the Bible. Like this is what God had in mind. So we're talking about worship times that consist of body language. So it should even be getting to the rest of our faculties and coming out this way in worship. It's going to be tough to kiss his finger since he's not really here, right? But on our knees, prostrate. And the Bible makes multiple references of raising our hands in the sanctuary. And it's interesting, in that passage in Psalms, it specifically refers to the men, which is very interesting. March Madness. This guy's like, Aah. you know, come to church. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Right? Like what? So worship is like in our bodies and our minds. We are saying, Lord, I'm yours. Have your way. You are my God and my Savior. Do what you want with me. I love you, serve you, and I'm going to follow you. What do you have for me today? That's worship. That's a worshipful heart. That's saying, I'm not the runner of my universe. I'm not just looking for a good day. I'm not looking for things to be easier. Father, I know my role. I am a created being. You have created me. I'm also your son. I'm also your daughter. I know you have plans for me. I know that you love me. I know you want to work through me today regardless of how I'm feeling and what's going on. I want to walk into that. I want to live that out. Right? That's the worshipful mindset. That's what we're called to be. Worshippers in spirit and in truth. It's interesting when that starts to take over. As I was thinking about this message and, you know, worship and church and, like, a lot of times you think of the word worship, what do you think about? Just yell stuff out. Singing. Praying. Praying. Crying. Crying. Ah, that's a good one. Yes, but a lot of people don't say that. That's true. That's a good one. It is a happy cry. A happy cry. <laughs> what else there in worship? Shouting for, joy. Shouting for joy. Right, fellowship. Right, these are things that, like, we think of, right? That things that, you know, come up and that enter in. And um, I think the enemy has done a really masterful job of trying to include some of the instruments and some of the singing um, and some of even, like, the joyous emotion. He's done a masterful job of getting us, some people, to be in a place where we can do those things, but our heart yet, like, not be in it. Isn't that scary? We can do that stuff. We can get there. It's really easy to do. We've got to be on guard against that stuff. Because then it like just becomes a shelf. It's not really who we are. True worship is coming out of just a relationship and an encounter that's just been with him. And what happens a lot of times is that it's expressed. See, worship is the relationship. And then out of that relationship comes expressions. Just so people just like draw things, just start doing art. You see some people, like, you know, writing poetry. See other people, like, knitting things. I don't know, like, stuff just comes out. This expression that just, like, rises up. Just from being with him, it starts, for whatever reason, it does this thing where it changes you. And this expression of worship pours out. Now, I'm aware that there's plenty of creative people that are very talented at singing artwork, and things that have no relationship with Christ. They have God-given abilities that they can carry those things out. Absolutely true. I can also tell you that there are people, that there are Christians when God gets a hold of them and they have been in relationship with Him and have encountered with Him, He brings out another side of them that they never even knew they had before. They're just coming from they don't even know where. It's unbelievable. And it's like it's just off or just, it's just pouring from a relationship. He's been doing this thing with me recently, the past, I'd say like year or so right now. I've always liked music, but I would never, I don't know, I don't really care about learning instruments. Like I don't, I don't want to put in the time for it. I don't, you know, we'll sing, cool. Like dance, you know, at the house, you know, and have fun, and but like writing songs and doing stuff like that, I care less. This past year, what am I doing, writing and singing songs? (laughs) What is the deal? I don't know. There's like some stuff that just is coming out from being with him. I can't even understand it. Like, I remember the first time it was happening, I was driving on my way to work, on, the, on my way to school, and uh, I was tempted to put on my K-love, you know, and and I'd maybe click, you know, something on my phone, some other worship stuff, you know, and be singing along and, like, get my prayer and the worship time in. I was like, but for that, for, for whatever reason, that particular morning, I was like, ah, I think I just want to, like, sing to him from my heart with my own words. I shut it off, you know, it's quiet in the car, and I was like, eh. And then, just start singing. And number one, <laughs> glad you asked. Glad you asked. I am going to sing one right now. Because here's, what, here's what's important. It's not, a, it's not a talent show, you know what I mean? This is like... I so badly just want to get across the fact that when we are with him and we make the time to be with him and we pursue after him, it's not a waste. He does transform us and he does things we wouldn't even think of. Right? It's not a talent show. It's not like, look at me and look what's going on. That's just stupid lie crap. That's not the case. Right? So here's one that's been going on inside of me. Right? We'll see how this goes. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter what, how, you know, how it sounds. So here goes one, right? So I was singing this one this morning. And actually, this one didn't come into me until I walked into the church this morning. And I was like, no, like, that is humiliating. I, and then it goes online on the website, like, this is conveniently not going to make it there. Oh, got not talent. He's got worshipers, hopefully. We just talked about last week, he's got to increase, we got to decrease. So what does it matter if I look like an idiot? It doesn't matter. We got to create an environment here and a culture here at this church where it doesn't matter how we look. So tired of that nonsense. You get that all week long, all the time, and probably in your head, nonstop, 24-7. Let's create a culture and environment where that stuff does not matter because it doesn't. He just needs to increase. It doesn't matter what it means for us. What's it going to mean for me? How's it going to look for me? Whatever. So here we go. As I was coming in this morning, right? So I don't even know the words, right? It just, like, uh, it just comes out. Father, have your way. Father, have your way Father, have your way Father, have your way Father, have your way We are your people Father, have your way We want to know your truth. Father, have your way. We want to live your life. Father, have your way. Father, fill me up. Father, fill me up. We want to know your truth. Father, have your way. This is your church. We are your people. Father, have your way. Use us, Lord. Father, have your way. Father, we love you. Father, have your way. We want to know your voice. Father, have your way. We want to seek your truth. Father, have your way. We want to know your heart. Father, have your way. Father, fight our fears. Father, have your way. We give you our heart. We give you our lives, Father, have Your way. You know, like that's that's worship time. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not, it's not even like you know, whatever. It's just, but that's just worship. Like you're just, you're just crying out to Him, and just saying, Well, I'm just Yours right now." And things are just going however they're going. I'm feeling however I'm feeling. I, I'm just yours. Like, have your way. Do what you want. You know, and, I, and I'm thinking this, Lord, and I don't feel like worshiping you, and such and such is going on over here, and uh, I'm just more mad at you right now than anything. Well, then fine, like, you know, you just come out, and then you tell him that stuff. And then you come back, and you say, Lord, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm yours. I know you're working things out. It's hard for me to see. And so just being with him just creates like this relationship, right? And it just comes out. It just comes out in crazy ways. I don't know. I'm just writing down songs. It's not like I'm writing down songs because I got a record deal coming up and I got to make the quota. It's just, I don't know. It's coming on out. And most of the time, it's really just prayers. But for whatever reason, I can't just say them. They got to be sung. I don't know what that's about. And if I was God, I'd be like, I'd rather have her pray to me like that and not really him. Like, that just seems more enjoyable. But for whatever reason, that's just the deal going on right now. I don't know what it is. Right? But he's calling us into a relationship like that. And it comes out of a relationship that's rooted that just wants to worship him. Lord, use me. I am yours. What do you want to do? Does it make sense? Yes. Oh boy, five minutes. All right. Uh, let's look at the bulletin. I started off and then I digressed. How is this dialogue different then the one last chapter. Well, we talked about that, right? The woman, this chapter, man, last chapter, not an important woman, an important man. That um, night, during the day, even the subject of conversation was different. Wasn't last time he was like, Jesus just focused on being born again. You must be born again. Her question was, how do I worship? What's the best way to meet with God? When did their conversation take a turn? Took a turn when we started talking about her husband. Right? Her question was, where do we worship him, right? You Jews say you do it over there. We say we do it here. What's the deal? In spirit and in truth. What is that all about? In spirit, locale, doesn't really matter. That's what's awesome. See, the way we worship, and the way they worshiped in the Bible, at least up until Acts... It's totally different. We have the spirit of God that lives inside of us because Jesus already came, he already died, he already rose from the dead. We have a whole nother worship experience that they didn't know anything about. Where he would fall on people at times, we have a spirit of God that lives in us and comes out of us. And he's always there. It's amazing. And some of us never even tap into that. Because of what somebody might think, or what they might say. It's crap, right? And in truth, in truth, The truth being, oh man, I wrote down so many things on that. But the truth being is that we are his, right? And that we are called to come together. It does say in the Bible, we are called to come together as a church. It says in Hebrews, do not forsake the abandoning of my people. And it also says, in that same exact chapter, a verse before, it says, stir one another on in love and in good works. We're supposed to come together. And stir one another on and love and go works and then go up there like it's like a little Jesus bees nest in here and then go out and sting people in the best sense of the word, right, with the love of the gospel. So we're called to do. And it's beautiful when a whole church community can come in and do that. And like some people, you know, are, are worshiping God. You know, maybe they're on their knees and maybe somebody like starts drawing something and someone's like just singing over here and it's just, it's awesome. That's just the singing part. Imagine if the worship idea translated to more than just the singing part and it was like my worship is starting Saturday night. I got to get ready for encountering God tomorrow. Imagine that. I got to get ready for what's about to happen tomorrow. God's going to speak to me. He's going to work through me. I don't know who I'm going to sit next to. I don't know who I'm going to see downstairs when we do the food thing. That's a worship mindset. It's getting geared up for what's about to happen. It really starts like Saturday. It could even start, you know, earlier on in the week. What are some things that make worship difficult? Some things that make worship difficult Number one is not being in relationship with God himself. If we're not in a relationship with him, worship it, and ain't going anywhere. There's nothing going on there. A Christian relationship with God, if it only happens on Sunday, that's the only time we're singing a song and hearing something out of the Bible, that's an unsafe Christian relationship and not a good place to be. We've got to get out of that Fast. It's just setting a pace for a lifestyle of deceit, of thinking something is better than what it really is. Amen to that? Yes, it's true. And for those of us that have played that game, we know that. See, because the real worship happens when we are been engaging him in a relationship with him during the week, man, on uh, Sunday we get to do it together. I've been by myself all week or maybe in the family, okay, but then with my brothers and sisters we can sing and proclaim it together man, if we only knew what happens in the heavenlies when we actually do that together. It's awesome. It's awesome. So that's just one thing that makes it difficult. It makes it difficult, you know, when it's just really self-centered and it's about us and we don't have anything going on with him outside of Sundays. It's not a good Christian relationship. Nothing's going on there. It's going to be stale. It's going to be dull. And it's not going to last. It's going to be like, you know, somebody that tries to go on a diet, hit up the gym, and then they just eat crap all day. I did the elliptical for an hour, and I hit McDonald's on the ride home. (laughs) What are you doing? Like, No, it doesn't work, right? So hopefully this can be our motto, or at least something that's on the forefront of our minds. My day does not determine my worship, my God does. Right? My day does not determine my worship. My God does. At the end of the day, either he's God of me and God of my life, or he's not. And either I'm bringing him worship and I'm bringing him praise, regardless of what happens, or I'm not. Whether I get the good news or whether I get the bad news. Whether somebody got sick or whether somebody didn't get sick. Whether it went the way I thought or whether it didn't. I'm bringing it because he's do it. Because he's my creator. Because he loves me. Because he's still working for me, even if I can't see it or feel it right now. You can't stop people like that. The enemy's gonna have a really difficult time stopping somebody like that. Where he can just throw difficulty and challenge after difficulty and challenge, and then the Christian goes, It is what it is. That's not gonna determine how I sing in church on Sunday. My God will. So what we're going to do is we're going to take worship time together and communion. Worship time together and communion. And hopefully you get the chance, the elements are up here. And, uh, you know, we'll line up, we'll we'll grab the stuff and hold on to it and then, you know, we'll do it together. And maybe um, during the song, during the time before we take it, We could use the time, in for worship time. Lord, this is your time right now. This is your time. Father, have your way. Right? Just like, this is your time, Lord, that you just, you do what you want right now. I'm so thankful that I can be in relationship in a covenant that's covered under Jesus Christ, and I get to walk in his promises and authority. I don't even know a lot about that, Lord, but I thank you for it. Teach me more about it. Or maybe... You need to get honest about what has happened this past week. God, I know I've made choices and done decisions that were not right this past week. They were not pleasing to you. I know that. And then you say, God, I'm thankful that you have forgiven me. I don't want to live that way. I'm going to do my best not to. I've been created for more than that. I don't want to go back to that. I'm supposed to be a new creation. So if that's the case, then that's what this time is used for. Time is also used for, Lord, i got to meet with you during the week. I have to literally meet with you during the week. I mean, really just be with you. And the car is cool, and the shower is cool, you know, while you're doing stuff. But we also need to just meet with him, wheres just pure, unadulterated time. No distractions, everything's plugged off, and we're just, God, I'm here right now to meet with you. I need to be in your presence. I need to know your heart. Speak it to me. That's what it's about. So hopefully these things are going through your mind during communion time. All right? So the elements are up here. Austin, we can start up that song. We'll play it kind of soft, you know, so people have time to pray and meet with God. And um, so come on up, grab the elements, hold on to it, and then we'll take it together.
1: nothing worth more that will ever come close nothing can compare you're our living hope your presence I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves Where my heart becomes free And my shame is undone and your presence, Lord